0: With episode 10 of Original Versus Cover, I'm DJ Crystal Clear here with you today with my engineer extraordinaire, Dr. Paul Berlino. Sup. And uh, it's fall. Fall has crashed upon us because it's not 800 degrees outside, and it's cloudy, but it's slightly humid, and uh, we're not sweating in here. And People are not outside, so that's refreshing. I kind of like that. Um, Yeah, so the last episode was done in August, and uh, now it's November. (laughs) (laughs) So much for doing it twice a month. But as I keep saying, singing gigs, DJ gigs, writing, working, discovering foods and beverages I can no longer eat because of my gallbladder being gone. Uh, Oh, my roommate had a psychotic break and threatened to kill me. I had to move, an emergency move. And of course, F-bomb. Because um, we did uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, where Dr. Paul was Frank-N-Furter.
1: Dr. Frank-N-Furter.
0: Dr. Frank-N-Furter. Yeah. And, uh, and then we did a groovy ghouly set of just, like, random rock songs that sounded spooky or scary or st- something like that.
1: Or were none, nothing of the kind. They just had, you know, Yeah. some sort of title that seemed to fit with the program.
0: Halloween theme, yeah. Where Paul was Alice Cooper and crushed it, doing Black Widow. That was a transcendent performance, I gotta say. And give it up to Tommy Von Voigt for memorizing the entire <laughs> Vincent Price monologue yeah. without missing a beat. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of brain he has. What kind of brain does Tommy have?
1: Uh, the kind that retains stuff.
0: Not like a sieve, like my brain.
1: <laughs> it's a, no, it just—he's like
0: he has a roach motel of a brain. It's, stuff goes in, but it doesn't go it out. It never comes out. I mean, yeah. he memorizes every fucking thing. That's oh, crazy. All right, good for you, Tommy. All right, so, you know, I'm really trying to do this twice a month, but it just, you know, maybe if I live somewhere else, it would happen. All right, so the first song, this is a request. DJ, please pick up your phone. I'm on the request line. Um, so this, I, I get submissions from people, uh, fans of the podcast, so I'm going to shout them out right now, and the first one is, the song is I'm Your Puppet, and it was suggested by my homegirl, Kim D., who lives in Texas, and I'm having brain fog right now, so I I think it's Dallas, but I'm not sure. Let's go with Dallas. Uh, So Kim D is a uh, person I met through the magic of Facebook, and then she came here this earlier this year, like February or something, for a visit, and we had a really nice time. Um, So Kim D, this is for you, girl. So I'm your puppet. Now, everybody thinks that James And Bobby Purify? Purify? Is that how you say his last name?
1: Uh, Purify? Bobby Purify? uh, Uh, Tommy.
0: Tommy Von Voigt. Tommy (laughs) Von Voigt. Let's go with Purify, because that's how it's spelled. Uh, James and Bobby Purify did it in 1967. But that is not the original. The original was written by Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham, which everybody should know who both of them are, both of they are. Both of them. Both of them. Both of them are. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um. Dan wrote uh, a lot of soul hits in the nineteen sixties. The dark end of the street. Do right woman. Do right man. Cry like a baby. And he produced the letter, which I did not know.
1: Give me a ticket for Aerosmith.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And Spooner Oldham is you know first class studio session musician who played the organ in the Muscle Shoals Band uh, at Fame Studios. You've heard him on the B3 on When a Man Loves a Woman, I Never Loved a Man, and Mustang Sally, just to name a few. So Dan Penn released this song earlier than James and Bobby in 1967. And then uh, so the second cover is by the Raconteurs, which features one of your favorite musicians, Paul.
1: Yes, it does. In fact, yeah. <clears throat> in fact, it probably features three or four of them, but I, you know, I haven't really done the research.
0: Oh, it's Jack White from the well, Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs>
1: I'm sure I love all the others involved as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the tours. I don't know. I like, I've said this before, I like Jack White because he's a musical kook.
1: Yeah, well, I know I do like him in theory. I just hate his fucking voice. voice.
0: Yeah, it's not for everybody. So this song has also been covered by the likes of Cliff Richard and Percy Sledge. In 2011. Elton John and Paul Young in 1993. Foster Silvers did it in 73. Donny Osmond in 71. The Box Tops, Sam and Dave, and Dionne Warwick all covered this song, I'm Your Puppet. Damn. And I don't ever remember hearing any of those other versions. (laughs) No.
1: I think I've probably heard the Donny Osmond version, maybe.
0: Maybe. I mean, Cliff Richard and Percy Sledge in 2011? (laughs) That's really weird. Well, Cliff
1: Richard maybe, because Cliff Richard's going to outlive all of us, and he's still going to look like he's 40. 40,
0: right, (laughs) yeah. He's got a really good plastic surgeon, and some really good Botox, I guess, um... So this is a cutesy kind of song that features a glockenspiel, my favorite. I love a glockenspiel. Uh, Mid-tempo swing with a haunting B3 underneath, an arrangement that features a horn section, mostly trombone. The bass, guitar, drums are the loudest things in the mix, with vocals that sound like they were in a cave, with lots of echoey reverb. And I I like it. It's a nice song. Um, And the cover has the same arrangement, only with a piano, drums, guitars, and a bass, along with Jack White's annoying-ish vocal. <laughs> and he does the BVs, and it is loud as fuck, but it's nothing earth-shatteringly different from the original. Hmm. So, um, Kim D, I'm gonna have to ask you to write to me and tell me how you even came across this cover by the Raconteurs, because they did not record it anywhere, it's just a video that exists of them singing it.
1: Oh, really? But, okay. So yeah. it's not a, a track, So, because one of the questions I had was and I guess we'll hear it. Um, is it does it have like the reverb and everything? Because you're talking about how it kind of sounds like the original. But, yeah. But if it's a live performance, then you're. Well, really the original
0: get... has the echoey reverb. Right, but the, right. But yeah. I
1: mean, I'm wondering if the, the Rock and Tours replicated that. But if it's just uh, a live performance and not a not studio really. track, then. It's
0: just like a rock and roll performance thing. Um, I'm surprised they didn't record it, knowing how kooky Jack White is about that stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we're going to listen to both of them now and then come back and talk about them.
2: Pull a string and I'll wink at you I'm the puppet I'll do funny things if you want me to I'm the puppet I'm yours to have and hold Darling, you've got full control of the ¡Suscríbete! Puppet. Mm-hmm. Treat me good and I'll do anything. I'm just a puppet and you my I'm your puppet <laughs> 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 nice.
0: Okay you. so what do you think Paul?
1: Well I mean basically you kind of already said it it just sounds like the original only with the shitty vocal I mean, when they when they do when they do the group vocal, it sounds fine. But the minute he goes in for the
0: lead, it just it's like okay, you know, can you get your fingernails off the chalkboard for fuck's (laughs) sake? Yeah, the I don't know the other dude in the band who who sang Um, because we uh, (laughs) uh, you know. Full disclosure here, people. So, like I said, this thing is not recorded on any records. There's a video of it that exists. So you have to Google, Recontours, I'm your puppet, and then you'll see the video. So they're at Fame Studios recording it and using all the old equipment, and it looks kind of cool. And so it's like, oh, why'd you... The, the little interview thing. But as you go further in the video, that they just, you know, show the them actually just doing the song. Um... But we only lasted, what, like 15 seconds into the video? because Well, we, we
1: got plenty of it.
0: Yeah, we got, we got enough. So who wins? I say James and Bobby do, because it's, you know, it's great. The original is great. It's way more soulful, and it doesn't have Jack White's bad vocal. Yeah. So, you know, they're oh. faithful to it, but they lose. Boo. Okay. Oh, purify. <laughs> purify. Get me going, bye-bye. Yeah. So, song number two is a song suggested by our friend Nate. Nate! Nate! What's his last name? I just forgot. Alfaro. Alfaro, yes. Nate Alfaro (laughs) in in California. All right! All right! Northern California! Northern California! In one of
1: those little towns just north-ish of Napa. I don't even remember where you moved to, Nate, but I guess I'll know soon enough.
0: Oh oh yeah, that's right. It's not Napa. Okay. Well he just got back from Hawaii and is back in California. Hey! So Nate is very good at sending me suggestions. I have a little cue of his suggestions that I'm gonna get through. But I really like this one, so because it's so Nate. So the song is called Nobody Does It Better. <laughs> and it was recorded by Carly Simon in nineteen seventy seven. And he was on the uh, Kim D tip where he picked a cover that does not exist on a record. It's another video. And I don't even, I couldn't even find out what year it was. It's 90-something. 90s! In the 90s! And it's done by Radiohead, your favorite. (laughs) This is like... Coming up zero and two for Paul. This <laughs> show so far. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Hardy handshaked anybody who can guess which one I'm going to vote for.
0: Yeah. So uh, it was composed by Marvin Hamlish, lyrics by Carol Bayer Sager, sung by Carly Simon. It was the theme song for the James Bond film The Spy Who Loved Me, and this was the second Bond movie theme that did not share the same title as the movie. The first one was Doctor No and I don't remember what the theme was for that, but it was not Dr. No uh, in the song. So you know the song, you couldn't avoid it from the second it was released until around 1979. It was on the radio every five seconds, everybody loved it, and I love this song. I love this song. Uh, His composition is great, like the little ragtimey opener, which is his kind of signature. Um, The horn part's at the end. I love the lyrics. Uh, it's really corny and really dirty at the same time, the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was nominated for an Oscar, but it lost to You Light Up My Life.
1: Oh, well, yes, of course.
0: Yeah, which trounced everything. Yes. I mean, I think at the Grammys it won Best Rock Song, that fucking song. <laughs> You Light Up My Life, you couldn't escape it. It was everywhere. And uh, the cover, well, it's Radiohead. Yeah, You know, Um, apparently this is a song that they frequently cover during live shows, or at least they did in the 90s. Uh, Tom York told a sold-out crowd at a 1995 gig that it was, quote, the sexiest song ever written, end quote.
1: And then they proceeded to do the most unsexy version.
0: Of course. (laughs) Um, Because the video, I think was around 1995, it was when The Benz had just come out, I guess. And his hair was short, and he looked extra queasy. Um, The cover is straight ahead. There are not many changes except for loud guitars up front with the bass and the drums so low you can barely hear them. And this was, yeah, this was recorded during the Benz chapter of their history. Sorry, Paul. So, I promise these are going to be the... (laughs) I know they're the first two out of the gate, because I wanted to get them out of the way so that you wouldn't have to suffer. (sighs) So, (laughs) so... <laughs> so now we're going to check them out. And then, uh, well, we know who Paul's going to vote for, but um, I might surprise you with mine. I don't know. So check it out, everybody. Shit. Uh, so well, funny. I can think of somebody who does it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, Manashevitz. Well, I will say this. When he opens the song, if you don't know who he is, and maybe you just hear it in passing or something, you would think that a chick was singing it. Like, his falsetto was pretty good there.
1: <clears throat> yeah. See, th- the thing I hate about stuff like that, or, you know, or, or voc- well, vocalists like him, and kind of. Uh, uh Jack White as well. You know punk is great and everything but it's this shit that punk has to answer for where where it suddenly became okay <laughs> to kind of be a shitty singer over what is otherwise supposed to be good, good. well well executed music.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> punk has to answer for this. Yes, yeah. Um y- well yeah, I agree. I mean if he had if he had kept that level that he did for the first like little verse there instead of Is nobody looking, this how you found me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, come on, dude. Yeah. So, um, of course, Carly Simon wins. I mean, what the fuck? Oh, Tom yeah, York. And, yeah. And you know, I like Radiohead. Ask Paul. I champion them all the time. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: I think you've probably been being quiet about them around. Oh, I you. have. Oh shit. Maybe you know I'm you haven't so been talking about them. Out. I haven't been in. Yeah. I don't know.
0: We well, haven't been in those conversations, but
1: we haven't been talking about Radiohead.
0: I I really in, well. Okay, I did not like them during the bends. My what turned me on was um, Okay Computer. Yes, like that's that opened up floodgates for me for them, and I was just like wow. To the point where, and I think I told this story before when I was talking about Magnus a couple of episodes ago. My friend Mary Agnes, when I was in Philly, uh, somebody invited us to a party. Oops, sorry. Somebody invited us to a party. And we both had the CD in our purses. Like, we loved it so much, we just took it everywhere. And so we get to this party, and they're like, oh, and they're playing some shitty music. And I was like, hey, we got to listen to the new Radiohead. And people were like, I don't know, like, shut up. So then Magnus and I played it, and, like, people left.
1: <laughs> well, that is, I'm sorry, no matter what, you, any way you slice it, that's not party music.
0: Oh, man. but that's definitely know. not party music. But they but, weren't dancing or anything. There was, like, a bunch of stiff white kids in there they were just like sitting around drinking it
1: wasn't wasn't fun but I guess the thing is is that you know Radiohead started off on the wrong foot with me from the just you know the 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 rock violation that is (laughs) Creep is so Uh, uh. you just can't yeah I can't get past that like they they came out of the gate with that and they just kind of pretty much can't win I mean granted it's not like they've been making stuff that I would otherwise like but yeah Creep alone
0: that was the one it, nail. Th- yeah,
1: so I, so I fucking hated them right out of the gate. And when I heard the OK Computers, the OK Cupid stuff, <laughs> I uh, oh. you know, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I thought they were kind of trying too hard to be Pink Floyd, but it was good. But in the end, it was just like, eh, it's ready hood
0: Whatever, yeah. I, I, I still listen to OK Computer once a week. It's good. And an even better version. Um, yeah, so, you know, Carly Simon, uh, she's kooky and nervous. But she sang the shit out of that song, I must say. Did I ever tell you a stage fright story about her, a friend of mine told me? No. Okay, so Carly Simon, as old people like us may remember, she really didn't tour that much, and it was because she had petrifying anxiety and stage fright. So on the occasion where she would perform, she had a person working for her to psych her up to get out on stage, like a hype man kind of thing and uh, i think it was a woman a female friend so she would literally literally be backstage waiting to walk out the curtain and just would just like be shaking like a chihuahua and start crying and everything and her friend would be like no you're going to go out there and you're going to do it even like a football coach right and then after like 2 minutes of pep talk carly sign would bend over and her friend would slap her real hard on the ass and shove her out <laughs> <laughs> and shove her out to sing yeah that's a true story <laughs> So, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, but I but I do remember her, uh, yeah, I remember reading in People in the 70s that she had stage fright.
0: Yeah, really bad, crippling stage fright. Like that one video that everybody may have seen of her and her ex-husband doing Mockingbird, James Taylor, like she was loose and loose and Fancy Free in that jumpsuit. And all I can imagine is some chick, like, smacking her in the ass before they yeah. went out there. And yeah,
1: and little do you know she was vomiting backstage just <laughs> five minutes before
0: Oh, poor Carly. <laughs> well, yeah, listen listen to that song. You'll listen to it over and over again. It's so good. It's by Who Loved Me. All right. Now we're coming up on song number three. And it is a classic from the 70s that everybody loved that, um... Oh...
1: Is that the only kind they had in the 70s? Classics well, that everybody classics loved? Classics
0: everybody loved, yeah, that people cover all the time. Yes. Uh, the song is called You Are Everything, and the original was by The Stylistics in 1971. And the cover that I've chosen is by Mary J. Blige from 1997. I could have chosen Prince, but I didn't, because, well, maybe I'll get to that someday. So the original you know the song the very second you hear the opening guitar notes was that a what kind of
1: electric sitar yes
0: a slowish dreamy soft and fabulous love song about a man who was in love and saw a woman walking down the street and thought it was uh and thought it was the woman that he loved but he was mistaken because he was so in love he was blinded by love i guess um ladies this is the kind of song you want a man to suggest as your first dance at your wedding because it's achingly beautiful and is totally in concert with their other hit betcha by golly wow and uh stop look and listen to your heart they're like a trilogy of fantastic love songs with all not exactly the same arrangements but pretty close yes i would say
1: Actually, they have quite a few, don't they?
0: They have a lot more than that, yeah. But those are the top three I could think, think of, of. Yeah, um, yeah, they're all the same. So, so strings, the electric sitar, a lot of wah wah pedal, horns, a timpani, and the vocals are just perfection. That guy's falsetto is out of control. I Russell,
1: mean, Russell something. Yeah, wrote there. I forgot his last name.
0: Unbelievable! Absolutely unbelievable voice.
1: I want to. I want to. I want to point out. That that voice, when I was a kid in the '70s and would hear all those stylistic songs on the radio in their day, I think I probably thought that the person singing was female, and what I pictured was a a real uh, life version of Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, I've just Velma
0: you know, from Scooby-Doo with that voice. I,
1: you know, I just you know I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just the weirdness of yeah what the shit that kids imagine. You know, that's that's the picture that came to my mind. Wow, some a white girl with with nerdy glasses and a brown bob, bowl you know? haircut, yeah,
0: with a turtleneck and orange a mini, turtle neck, a yeah. skirt and bobby socks and shoes. Wow, that's that is interesting. I never. Uh, I don't know why. Wow. Okay, we'll go with that. All right. So this song has been covered by a lot of other people. Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye but that was only released in the UK. And it was the first official Motown single to be awarded a silver disc for sales over 200,000 copies, which I guess is a lot for back then. Um,
1: (laughs) It's a lot for now. People don't buy records now. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Judas Priest recorded a demo with Stock Aiken Waterman. Parts were leaked in 2015, but it's never been released in its entirety.
1: Wait a minute, Judas Priest covered a version of
0: You Are Everything? everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did do a Joan Baez song in the 70s.
0: Why not? And I looked for it, and I couldn't find it online anywhere either, so Rob Halford must be sitting on it, literally, somewhere. Um, Rod Stewart covered this in 1991, which I did not listen to, and I can't imagine sounds good. Uh, And David Hasselhoff in 1993.
1: Now that's got to kick ass. That's
0: going to be good. Um, It's been sampled a million times, which brings me to this cover by Mary J. Blige. So, mm, somebody might fight me on this. Isn't it really a cover? Um, It's more so that she sampled and interpolated the original version. Because her song is just called Everything. And it's from her 1997 album Share My World. Which was one of her happy records. Because this is how you know what Mary J. Blige is going through. When she's happy and in love... The record she makes is Happy and Wonderful. And when she got kicked to the curb, I mean, it was just like the saddest shit ever, her record. So they, for a while in the 90s, they fluctuated. It was like oh, an Jesus. EKG line. You know, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. So this is a really great record. I don't, have you ever heard it? Uh,
1: if you played me, her most famous... Mary J. Blige with Dummies track. I wouldn't know wouldn't who it was. Know?
0: Okay. Um, it's great, because she's the queen of hip-hop soul. That's the name that Puff Daddy gave her. And um, this song is a perfect example as to why he gave her that name. Uh, the way the arrangement is interpolated, it has a heavy bass line, the drums, her cadence, and inflections. It's classic hip-hop beats with the smooth R&B soul vibes. It's a confection to me. I really like it.
1: Smoothed out on the r and P tip with a pop appeal to it. <laughs> there
0: you go. I can't even say that. Yes, that's exactly what happened. So, it's not a true cover, but it's like 90% the stylistics, the way that it's interpreted. Interpolated. Who made up that word? (laughs) Interpolated. You can't say interpreted. Interpolated? It's weird to me. Alright, so we're going to check them both out, listen to both of them the whole way through, because you need to get the vibe, especially before you get to the Mary J version check it out
2: today I saw somebody who looked just like you she woke like you do I thought
1: I definitely i wouldn't consider that a cover because it's just like it's there's the title and the little sitar riff like there's the song is just a, an entire well if you call it a song there's it's an entirely different song
0: it, yeah it is but, but i mean it, but with hip but it's like
1: hip-hop it's and music is gone where movies has gone where every you know pop will eat itself it's just like nobody just does an entirely new they have to take shit that's already existed and, like, do the new version, and, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I really, I love it. Um, and you pointed out Sukiyaki in there. Sukiyaki's
1: in there. It's yeah. Just like, Jesus, it's one song, man. Just one song beginning to end. Can you just write it well, instead of having to fucking take everybody else's
0: songs? The and- other thing you have to remember is, aside from it being hip-hop where, you know, everything is sampled, uh, Puff Daddy produced it. And that is, like... Sign of quality. That's typical... P. Diddy, Puffy, Puff Daddy, Sean Puffy Combs production. You know, you gotta yeah. give her a five minutes in the beginning to do the runs. Thing and- shit. <laughs> mm shit. And, you know, set up the stock beat that's gonna do <laughs> And you know, the little Sukiyaki bit and the whole yeah. thing and all her lush vocals and the I love it. I just, you know, I I, I dig Mary J. That's just me. Um, but as far as who wins for me, and a lot of people might not like this, but I have to say that it's a tie, only because I could listen to both versions forever and not be mad at them.
1: Well, I mean, obviously I'm going to give it to the stylistics, but again, I mean, it's fair enough to say tie because it just, it's, it's not just the same song twice in a row. Yeah. So I don't know how you really... Well, you can choose which one you like better, I guess, whether it's the same song or not.
0: Yeah. And I do. And you do. I do. <laughs> Stylistics. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Stylistics over a tie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, they're both, I just, I don't know, I really like Mary J. Mary J fans, represent, let me know. Because she doesn't, I don't know, has she ever covered anything else? I don't know. And this is an interpolation, not really a cover, but <laughs> I wanted to include it and tell me who created the word interpolation i have to look that up all right song number four is called work to do and the original is by the isley brothers from 1972 and i have two covers for this the average white band in 1974 and vanessa williams in 1991. so the original it's classic isley brothers funky soulful tells a specific story with a lot of details there are a lot of details in these lyrics if people aren't really paying attention it's a man telling his woman that he's working hard for a lot of hours which is seemingly causing a rift in his relationship with her quote i'm taking care of business, woman. can't you see i've got to make it for you and got to make it for me sometimes it seems girl i'm neglecting you well i'd love to spend more time i got so many things to do so i'm busy trying to make you money so get off my back that's what he's saying but he wants her to know that he loves her and will give it to her when he eventually gets home. That's the dirty part.
1: R-E-S-P-E-C-T.
0: Because, <laughs> you know, Ronald Isley, he's always oozing sex. And the way that he sings this thing, it's like, it's matter of fact, but it's still sexy to me. You know, like, I'm going to give it to you when I get <laughs> home. Not just the cash.
1: Yeah. Well, and they, they have a really distinct sound, the Isley Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even before the vocals come in, you can just tell just the...
0: You know it. Yeah. I don't know if it's the Brothers' guitar tuning or the cadence or whatever, but the, their vibe is just so... They've got their own stink, for sure, yeah. most definitely. Um, all right, so the Average White band, average white Band's cover. Um, it's sped up a little bit, and of course, there's a lot of horns. A whole lot of horns in <laughs> the copycat arrangement. Um, you know, the guy whos singing, I don't know where he came from, but he sounds so much like Ronald Isley. It's ridiculous. Like he's trying so hard to sound like Ronald Isley. It's really weird. Um, the guitar solo during the bridge slash breakdown is good, but overall... It's just a snappy-peppy version of the original with horns, you know. Good guys. Good white guys.
1: You know, I actually don't really remember that. I mean, I pretty much only know the Isley Brothers version.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, this was... It was... It definitely was not a hit, but it was played a lot because the Isley Brothers were so popular and people just... I guess the radio station didn't want to play it 15 times in a row, so they would put this in there. So it's like, it's not the Isley Brothers, but it's kind of the Isley Brothers. And, you know when they had their pick up the pieces moment, they could play any average white band song and people liked it. Um, and then the other cover by Vanessa Williams. Now this is the, as my cousin Jean would have said, epitome <laughs> of 90s electronic house hip hop and R&B music. The 90s! Um, it's compressed within an inch of its life. It has the signature house music piano, the electronic drums and the tambourine. Her vocal is very strong, funky, clear, and crisp as a bell. Super bright and cheery, like she's just smiling the whole time she's singing it. And um, the only bummer for me is that there were a few bars of a rap shoved in there by Dre from Black Sheep. Which is not necessary, but it was the 90s. 1991, man. Yeah, that's what they did.
1: Even Prince was doing that shit.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, As we talked about before. So it inverts the narrative a little bit because then he's singing about, you know, she's made it into a vocal female. He brings it back to a male vocal. Um, You know, she's working and he's upset. And it was produced by a dude named Dr. Jam. Now, if that isn't 90s, I don't know what is hey <laughs> man I,
1: I can hear it now opening for Jamiroquai
0: Dr. Jam yeah and there are at least six remix versions out there in the world which to me is completely unnecessary um but I was happy to hear this song when it came out because it cut through the En Vogue's and the Anita Baker's of the day like I don't think either one of them would have thought to cover an Osley Brothers song um but you know, Dr. Jam, he did his job. I, I kind of I like it, I kind of like it. But now we're gonna check out all three. So, what do you think? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, yeah, you know, but, uh, both of those covers are pretty watered down and limp compared to the original one. The original one is, is meaty and earthy and just like, ugh. ugh yeah. yeah, definitely. And the other the other ones are kind of like, okay, all right, this is the... We, uh, somebody's covering this at the, at the fucking mall. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, well, I and mean, then the average white band—I guess that's not covered them all. But like I said, while we were listening, I, I could hear the Angel Flights, and it, but it's just—you know—it's just, you
0: know, it's just <laughs> the Angel Flights. Please explain that for people who don't know what that is.
1: Angel Flights. <laughs> if you don't know what Angel Flights are, then you don't deserve to know.
0: Exactly. Um, well, you know, for me, it's the Isley Brothers because of just what you said. I mean, it's. Ru- It's just so, like, it's sex. It's sexy. His vocal, the arrangement, the groove. Like, Vanessa's groove is slow, like theirs. The average white band's was a little snappy peppy. But, I mean, they can't be touched. They're the fucking Isley Brothers. They Just just leave them alone with their fur coats with no shirts on. They're fantastic. (laughs) Um, But I have to say, Vanessa's version is one of the best things to come out of the 90s. Um, Because it's just... It's so bright and cheery and up and I you know, I like it. I would have rather listened to that than a lot of shit out of the '90s. And I think that you can both you can listen to both of them over and over again and they won't work your nerves. Well, at least, not my nerves. Um, <laughs> and her cover is better than the average white dudes. I
1: yeah, think. well, I well the thing about hers is that she, the, the the one of the things that she has on the average white band is that you know there's the. The gender flip, yeah, you know, and the the, the more modern, uh, you know, take on the on the lyric, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, they both just sound like karaoke versions, you know, with, with meaning and not me, just meaning like somebody singing over the track, but meaning like the the, 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 the track, the limpness of yeah, the backing track the is akin to a karaoke. Totally.
0: track. Totally, yeah, especially Vanessa's, but because it was nineteen ninety one, you know, like that's. That's what was happening at the time, and now if you go to karaoke, like that arrangement might just pop up because yeah. that's just what it was. I mean, you know. Uh, and full disclosure here: Vanessa is my home girl, so I'm not going to besmirch her. But um, I, I, you know, even before I knew her, I like the song. I still like it, but the Isley Brothers win hands down. I mean, you just can't beat them. Period. All right, <clears throat> song number five is uh, a song that I thought, I thought that Barry Gordy Jr. sang it for some reason. Because I, th- I thought that it, he was him singing it. I think he did do a version of it, but that's not what it is. So the song is called Money, and then in parentheses, That's What I Want. So the original was done by Barrett Strong in 1959. Uh, the first cover I have, I got two covers of this. The first one is by the Beatles, 1963. And then the second one is by the Flying Lizards, from
1: 1979. Wow. Oh, right, I think I remember that one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so this song was written by Barry Gordy Jr. and Janie Bradford, who also wrote, Too busy thinking about my baby. Um, first, by The Temptations, then Marvin Gaye, then Phil Collins. Oh shit! Did you know that? He oh he did the Motown thing, didn't he? Phil Collins did he do a straight up Motown album?
1: He did, uh, kind of more recently. And when I say recently, I mean within the last fifteen years Years or or so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Before he lost his voice or whatever. Um, And she also wrote uh, my old standby or your old standby for Mary Wells, and contact no contract on love by Little Stevie Wonder. So she, I mean, I just fell into this little rabbit hole about her because I never remember her name ever mentioned having to do with Motown at all. Like, I don't remember anybody talking about her at Motown 25 either. Uh, She was at Motown for over 25 years, and this song was recorded for the Tamla label, distributed on Anna Records, which was a short-lived forerunner of Motown that was founded by Anna, Gwen Gordy, Raquel Billy Davis, uh, those two wrote his for Jackie Wilson and Etta James before founding the label. And there's a whole story about that label that you can look up on Wikipedia, um, which is some fascinating stuff. Uh, anyway, this song is a total burner. Uh, funky, bold, and strong groove driven by the piano played by strong Barrett, which leads to a writing credit, Kerfluffle, which is soap opera that you should check out. Um, bass drums and what I call the Baptist Church tambourine, (laughs) which is like the biggest tambourine ever held by somebody's huge hands in the band at a church on Sunday in a Baptist, AME Zion Baptist Church. You'll know what I'm talking about when you hear it. Uh, It hooks you in after a few beats right after the opening piano riff and keeps chugging along through the whole song. So whoever played this tambourine, must have been crippled after they recorded this because I can't imagine that they did it in one take. Yeah. <laughs> so just like the arms must have drawn up like a T-Rex. Um, it was very close to the mic, so it's super loud in the mix. Um, his vocal is commanding and loud in the best ways possible. I really dig it. It's been used in a zillion movies. It was recently done in Chinese for the movie Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> <laughs> which I did not see, but now I need to hear that version. Um, all right, so then the Beatles cover. I mean...
1: It's, it's the, it's the it's, early Beatles.
0: It's the Beatles. You know, they're singing a smidge slower. John is selling that vocal, along with a lot of screaming. And originally it was recorded without the piano. It was added later, which I'm guessing is in one of those George Beatles. George Mawson. Was, was that in one of those Beatles compilation things, the original? Without the piano.
1: Oh, oh, oh! You mean one of the anthologies?
0: Anthologies. Uh, yeah. not that I recall.
1: It's, it's just out there probably just as a bootleg thing.
0: That's what I thought. And the Flying Lizards cover. Okay, because what did I say? That was '79. Yeah, so that was, that was New Wave time, kids. I was in ninth grade and I bought this 45. Um, it's bananas, and I remember the first time I heard this was on WMUH, my local college radio station, at Muhlenberg College. And I knew instantly what the song was from the first three tambourine hits. Like, I just, I don't know why. I just knew what the song was. Uh, So you get these tambourine hits that are behind the one a little bit, and then this bass, drum, synth, heartbeat, rhythm thing. And then a banjo is playing the hook along with the keys. Um, and that carries you to this weirdo female vocal. She sounds foreign, but you're not sure what the accent is or what she's doing, and then the background vocals that sound like they're coming out of a tin can. Uh, The bridge is all these kooky synth noises. This is one of the weirdest covers I've ever heard, and I am totally here for it. So you have to listen to the whole thing, because then it goes in these bleeps and blorps and A fuzzy reggae bass line and spoken word and all this other crazy shit because it was 1979 and that's what people did so listen to all of them we're going to start off with barrett strong first with the original check it out
2: Don't get back I can't use it
1: Yeah, that, that last one is, it's sort of like if Nina Hagen was in The Waitresses.
0: Yeah, that's a very good analogy. It is very Nina Hagen. Why did I never think it was her? I don't know. And I don't even know who these flying lizard people were or are. I don't recall. I mean, they had a video for it. But it was, you know, 1979, so it was weird vignettes and, like, a close-up of a woman and a microphone and... With public access technology. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. A public access edit. And, you know, I remember a tambourine smacking... Something. It was... It was 1979. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing. But it was cool. So, my winner is... um, Well, it's a tie. And it's a tie between the original and the Flying Lizards cover. Because Flying Lizards did exactly what makes a great cover. They completely changed it, took it away from its original roots, it's kooky, it's different, and I like it. I love it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. I love it. I love it. That's what I think. What do you think, Paul?
1: Well, I'm going to shock the hell out of you.
0: And (laughs) you, like... The, the fucking Beatles, of course. The Beatles,
1: yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's that track was on the the very first album that I ever heard and ever got obsessed with and was ever you know when I was fucking three years old or whatever was the Beatles second album, which is what the American Beatles second album was called. <laughs> there's no British. There's no original Beatles second album. album. It's just they cobbled together a bunch of fucking tracks to make an extra Beatles album and. You have record execs who have no creativity having to come up with a title. And he went, Oh, well, it's, it's the second one. Why don't we call I it the second, second album? Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have like
1: three, we have like a week to get it out anyway. And yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't have time for all these things.
1: Yeah, we don't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be anything that like works as a package or anything. But, and that was one of the tracks on that album. So that goes back to my earliest memories, me- memories of, of even paying attention to music.
0: Wow. Who was playing
1: it? Who was playing it? Oh well, was I mean, your... the record—it just the record was just there. It was uh, at my grandma, my grandma and grandpa Berlino's house. They had—they were like the, the Italian Brady Bunch <laughs> <laughs> because I had a, they had a lot, a lot of kids, and I, I had a Italian lot of
0: Brady Bunch. Yeah, I had,
1: uh, yeah, I had a lot of aunts and uncles, and the Beatles second album was just a record that was in the house. But like everybody was playing it. It was just there and I heard it, you know, and I loved it. You know, because I I was really big on She Loves You. I just I loved the whole album. I became really Yeah, I was just into the whole record and that's just one of the tracks that was on it. So it wasn't really about that track, that's just one of the songs on the album and it just, you know, that's what it hails from.
0: Can you name all the songs on that album?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can. Do you you want me to do it? I do. I do. Roll over Beethoven, Thank You Girl, Devil in Her Heart. Um, oh shit! What's what's the next one? Um, Money, actually. Oh, money's the next one. And what was the last song? Wow, oh, I can't believe I don't remember. Side two: uh, Long Tall Sally. I called your name, please, Mister Postman. I'll get you, and she loves you. See. Oh, I. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, Fuck. I, I, yeah, you I, can't do that. Is the last song on side one? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why <laughs> this is why you want Paul <laughs> as a friend, because when you have some kooky music trivia, he will come through for you. I mean, I'm sure that maybe ten other people we know could possibly know all the songs on that album.
1: Any Beetle Geek could probably do that. I
0: mean, yeah, but it's like, it would have to be a Beetle Geek. It would have to be Dave Foster, you know, Eric Paparazzi, Ira, Elliot, um... You know, Bran and uh and Ansley would know like my hardcore Beatle people would know that stuff cold. But yeah. I'd like my average music people would not know that from right. I, I definitely don't.
1: Yeah. Well also though, to be fair though, those those weird US only versions of the albums haven't really been in circulation since the early eighties.
0: Oh. Oh really? Wow. Well,
1: because what happened is that the the C D when they start coming out on CD in the mid-80s, they came out as the British versions, and from that moment on, the U.S. has known those albums as the British versions. versions like, uh, the U.S. versions kind of die to death at that moment, and then it's just down to those who remember, those who grew up with that stuff, you right. know? But any kid who's discovering the Beatles now doesn't know that shit.
0: Yeah. They also,
1: know those songs, but in, in on different albums uh, and in different contexts, right. you know?
0: That's what I figured. Record executives. Assholes. Her rump. All right. Well, there you go. So Beatles and yeah, I just I really love that Flying Lizards version. Well,
1: we have them all covered because I I prefer the Beatles and you like the other two.
0: Yeah. So you got so you're all everybody gets a Every-
1: participation trophy. <laughs>
0: trophy. Everybody. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Oh. Oh. Yeah.
1: That's, Doesn't warm your millennial heart, isn't it dear lovely. listener. <laughs> your,
0: your millennial hearts. <laughs> Can we come up with another word instead of millennials?
1: Uh, you'll have to come up. you will have to talk to whoever coins this shit. Can
0: we just say punk ass kids? How <laughs> old are millennials supposed to like? What is I don't that? even know. I'm every, not even every sure kid anymore. That's
1: every kid below Gen X is, is millennial to me, and I know that that's not When does correct. Gen X
0: end, though? I don't even know that. Yeah. Aye. Because my the lens I'm looking through is 30 and under. You're a millennial. I don't
1: know. There's got to be a website somewhere that tells us this stuff.
0: I'm guessing. I don't want to look it up either. I'm just not gonna. I'm just gonna say punk ass kids. How about that? All right. So our last song, song number six, is "Mrs. Robinson," which uh, <laughs> Paul's giving me the eyeball already, stink eye. Uh, the original is by Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> from the movie "The Graduate." Uh, that was released in 19. 19- oh, uh, "The Graduate" came out in 1967, but it was not released until 1968 on their album called. There you go. Um, and the first cover I have is by uh, Mr. Francis... Oh, I forgot his middle name. Sir Francis Drake? No, Francis something Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Oh. Uh, that was done in 1969. And then, of course, from the 90s, mm. it's the Lemonheads. Oh, dude. A 1992 cover of Mrs. Robinson.
1: Oh, I remember that. <laughs>
0: you, yeah. You remember that. I do now. Yeah, so (laughs) the original, why do I have to explain this? Do I have to explain this? I don't think
1: you do. We're we're back to the Angel Flights. If you don't know, then... If you don't
0: know, then, yeah. I mean, what the fuck? (sighs) But for those who haven't heard it, you know, some of you may not have... I have a lot of foreigner listen- listeners from, uh, you know, all over the world, and maybe you haven't heard it. You should have by now. Um, it is folk rock perfection. Acoustic guitars, percussion, drums, conga and bass, and the vocals. The luscious, luscious harmonic vocals of these two clowns, Paul and Artie. Um, but the film version is different because it has a Bo diddly beat at its core, so it's slightly different. Uh, you've heard it a million times, but listen again for the comparisons of the covers. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Frank Sinatra. Francis Albert Sinatra. That's it. Francis Albert. Um, oh, Frankie. He changed a few lines of the song, including changing Jesus to Jilly.
1: <laughs> See, I've never heard this. Oh, you ha- I haven't.
0: It is... I mean it's fucking Frank Sinatra. But it's like Jilly? So is Mrs. Robinson a lesbian? I don't know. It's he did it because so he said, because some radio stations refused to play the original because the word Jesus was in it. So he recorded it with Jilly. So that his version would get played
1: <laughs> to avoid the downfall that was that, that was met that, that Simon and Garfunkel met with,
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's not like that's crazy, um, and he included a new verse that directly referred to Mrs. Robinson's activities in the movie. So he saw the movie and then talked about some things she did in the movie.
1: <laughs> Wait, so who it's, penned this verse? He did. Wow! Frank, wow! So a co-write between Paul Simon and Frank Sinatra. I,
0: you know, I need to look. At the record to see who get if Frank gets writing credit for this BS, but wow. it's just like, it's crazy. So um, it's exactly what you expect. Swinging, loud horns, his signature phrasing, Vegas, baby, it's ring-a-ding-ding, which I think he even says in it.
1: Yeah, of course he does.
0: Um, it's from his album called My Way, which instantly became his signature song. Everybody knows that, My Way. Um, Don Costa arranged and conducted the song and the album. And the one thing I wish that I could have seen was Phil Hartman do this in a sketch on Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Like, it would have been so great to see him and Paul and Artie in the studio and have them be, like, turning inside out because he changed shit. But that never happened. R.I.P. Phil Hartman. If you don't know who Phil Hartman is, you punk-ass kids especially, um, Google him because he was a comedic genius that (sighs) had a very sad, untimely death and then the Lemonheads cover. The Lemonheads from the 90s! Uh, remember them? Remember how this video was on MTV every five seconds? They were classified an alternative band who did this punkish rave up of the song. There's no real change to the arrangement except that it's all electric guitars. Um, it went to number eight on the Billboard modern rock chart. Fuck. What the fuck was modern rock?
1: It was rock that w- that was hip and now. I mean... If you were a modern air...
0: <laughs> but that's completely... I mean, a Des Dickerson modern air?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. That's, that's very
0: different than... Des.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, you're right. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Modern rock. What's well, like alternative? What Who was, made you know, that up? It was just bullshit. It was just all...
0: I mean, yeah, it's weird. Um, so Evan Dando... The lead singer, Cutie Pie, who all the girls were in love with, with his bad haircut, um, he told American songwriter that he hated the song, as well as its author, and that they only recorded it for a 25th anniversary video release of the movie. That's the only reason that they did it.
1: Oh no, that's not the reason you did it, Evan Dando. You did it because somebody offered you a pile of cash to do to it. record it exactly. for the anniversary. It isn't because you gave a fuck about the anniversary. anniversary?
0: You know, it's like, who asked you to do it? And then why did you agree if you hated the song and you hate Paul Simon? Yeah. I mean, you're such a dick.
1: Yeah, Yeah, whatever. It's a shame about the Lemonheads.
0: And then he noted that Paul Simon greatly disliked the cover, but already dug it. Well. So, you know, there you go on that. So, uh, let's listen to these three. And you have to listen to the entire Frank Sinatra version to truly appreciate it. (laughs) Because... It's so Francis Albert.
1: Yeah, Yeah. which you're not gonna get here.
0: Which you're not gonna get here, but listen to the whole thing on your own. All right, so dig it.
2: Mrs. Robinson, Jilly loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. About you for our files We'd like to help you learn to help yourself Look around you, all you see are sympathetic eyes Stroll around the grounds until you feel at home The PTA, Mrs. Robinson Won't okay the way you do your thing Ding, ding, ding. And you'll get yours, Mrs. Robinson, foolin' with that young stuff like you do. Boo-hoo-hoo. boo <laughs>
1: Wow. Ding, ding, ding. Bring a ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, Sinatra <laughs> must have written that verse because... It-
0: the yeah. PTA? What? What do you? What?
1: Listen with that young, stu- yeah, it's,
0: it's, that it's, young stuff. Yes, that's terrible. That you do.
1: St- See, the thing is about Sinatra's. I, I, I like Sinatra. I, I, do love Sinatra. I'm a fan. But I kind of like the earlier. You know, he just got to a point where he got really stiff. He yeah. just started sounded like somebody's. You know, like just, his, just his like some some old white guy fucking with, with a stick no. stick
0: up his ass. Yeah,
1: yeah. like and he had he he had kind of, you know, a little bit of. St- you know, there was just some vibe and some soul there originally because he kind of, you know, he could bend a note and everything, but then it just got to a point where he was just like, oh. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> at the beginning of his career, it was like, oh, Frankie, when he was the crooner, you know? Yeah. And then not soon after that, and you know, and then the movies and, you know, Robin Hood and the, Robin and the Seven Hoods and blah, blah, blah. And then he just, like, ruled the world, literally. So he had all these people kissing his ass, and it didn't matter what he did, which, again, you punk-ass kids, Google Phil Hartman, Frank Sinatra, and you'll see classic clips from Saturday Night Live where he was just genius. Um, and that's the Frank that he was doing, the stiff, right now dinosaur, being squeezed out. Yeah, being wheeled out <laughs> on the stage. stage. And-, and in the best, probably the best sketch that he did was when Frank Sinatra did the album where he sang with Bono and like he, inv- he sang songs, duets with right. modern day people.
1: Well, yeah. Where, where he didn't actually meet with any of them.
0: Yeah. They recorded <laughs> it separately and then <laughs> sent it together. Right. But, um, so hysterical. So yes, I hope that you listen to the entire Frank Sinatra version cause it's just so classic. So who wins, who wins for you, Paul? You're gonna, I, I, you know, I'm just gonna shocking you left and right. You guys, once again, you
1: never know. Anything's possible. Simon and Carfunkel, the of Simon course. Simon and
0: Garfunkel, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. It's yeah. just, it's so beautiful. It's so fucking beautiful. But yeah. you know, fuck the Lemonheads. <laughs> wow. That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what?
1: That would have been my line, but you. you yeah.
0: Have it. I mean, it was terrible. You did it for the cash grab. Yeah. You're gonna be indignant about it. And, you know, I I hear tell that he was a real smug asshole, and probably yeah. still is. So go fuck yourself, Evan Dando. Dando. <laughs> Dodo. Evan Dodo.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. All right, so that's our sixth song. So that's a wrap on episode 10. I hope that you learned a lot and discovered some new things. Please remember to, number one, send me your suggestions at DJCrystalClear at me.com because I don't have a website. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, DJ Crystal Clear, And that is C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, C-L-E-A-R, okay? Number two, please give me some glowing reviews on Apple and Anchor or whatever platform you're listening to. I would appreciate that. Number three... As always, listen and subscribe to Dr. Paul Bertolino's podcast, as it should be.
1: Because, as you should.
0: As you should, because it's an excellent podcast. I'm not just saying that. And um, I think that that's it. Anything else from you, Paul? Anything else you want to say?
1: Ring-a-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding.
0: <laughs> ding ding, ding. ha <laughs> okay you have to play that segment as the out music because it's so it's so bad it's so bad all right so we're gonna record episode number 11 because we're always two-fisted here at the as it should be studios so uh as always happy motoring